Hey, thanks very much, Libby. Great reading of that story. Merry Christmas, uh, everyone. As you can guess, our every story whispers his name for this Christmas day uh, is about the shepherds. And here I am in the foyer. I uh, wish uh, we could be here together, but of course we've been a little bit shut down again by COVID. I really do wish you and your family uh, just a great uh, season, you know, that you have real quality time together. Thanks for making this time available. How about we pray? Uh, you know, today we're, we're looking into how the, the beautiful story of shepherds in the Bible points us towards Jesus. And of course we celebrate his birthday today. Maybe you just Pray together that the Lord would speak into our lives. Lord, we do just uh, want to welcome you into this place today, into this place in our hearts where we just interact a bit with your word and some ideas. We pray that your Holy Spirit would just point out some stuff, Lord, that takes us through this Christmas season uh, into the new year and uh, helps to point us in the right direction, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Shepherds. I don't know any shepherds, do you? <laughs> we don't have many shepherds in Maryland in 20. 21. And so with this, we have to sort of cast our mind back into different places. And it's, it's hard to imagine uh, times gone by. It's uh, difficult for us to put our mind back in history. In fact, perhaps that's why people will say that maybe the only thing that history really teaches us is that people don't learn much from history. Well, I'm hoping today that we learn something from the this beautiful history of shepherds. My thoughts, uh, as they often do around this time of the year, went back to that Boxing Day tragedy in 2004 with the terrible uh, tsunami that that washed over many nations. And I remember years ago, um, you know, when they were talking about that, them discussing the fact that some tribes actually had passed down stories from their history of those unusual events where the water sucked off the beach. And, uh, and it was important that if they saw the water sucking off the beach, to, and, you know, as quick as they could to get to high ground. Of course, that story needs to be told faithfully down through generations for the wisdom of it to count. And so, you know, in 2004, on that terrible day, um, you know, most people, as they saw the water sucking back, uh, it was just a curiosity. It was just, a, it was just uh, something to marvel at. Uh, of course, a few minutes later, the destruction of those rolling waves rolled in. And um, maybe... Uh, today, that's why some people are dismissive when others say, uh, you know, where we live in perilous times, you know, um, people are sort of saying, oh, there's nothing to see here. Come on, AJ, what's this? It's Christmas. What's all this doom and gloom? Well, yeah, today we are talking about the Good Shepherd who brings us through. He brings our soul to a place of peace. He rescues us. He protects us. He's the light in our darkness. But, you know, there's no better time to realise the value of a rescuer than when we realise that we need rescuing. I hope that you're finding peace in your day by day. Uh, with the Good Shepherd. So as we roll into this uh, new year and we think about Christmas, uh, I think there is a foreboding sort of a sense. There are huge challenges for, challenges for us as a human race and as individuals. It's not just about the pandemic, is it? But, you know, there's a lot of uh, disunity amongst people. People are divided internally within our countries and our organisations and we're divided internationally. Um, so as we rejoice in another Christmas celebration, I do think that we live in certain times, pandemics, pollution, the trading inequities going on between the rich and the poor, refugees in multiple places around the world, militaries being built up on borders. Um, many societies like our own, shifting belief systems are moving our legal systems away from ones that were built around a belief in God and an esteem for the Bible. Um, you know, sheep without a shepherd, maybe. And for anyone who's uh, done a risk assessment for an activity, we know that if the potential consequence 
consequences of an activity is catastrophic. Even um, if that outcome is highly, highly unlikely, it's very deserving of our attention and our preparation. Um, let, let us see those things in our external world help to instruct us in our internal world. In the midst of uncertain times, are we putting our attention uh, in preparation into the things that our soul needs? Is our soul tsunami-proof, so to speak? Are we getting ourselves to higher ground on the things of the, the soul or the heart or the spirit? Our whispering story today is that of the place of the shepherds in the Bible. And shepherds are a rich uh, metaphor that goes back to the third page in our Bible when Abel became a keeper of sheep, the first shepherd. And sheep benefit from shepherds. Shepherds can see and do things that the sheep can't. Do you need a shepherd for your soul? I think we all need a shepherd for our soul. You know, um, shepherding is one of those professions that uh, during the course of Scripture undergoes quite a transformation over the 2,000 years from Abraham to Christ. History really impacted the role. In the times of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, um, being a shepherd, a keeper of animals, was an avenue to stability and wealth and safety and strength. And we see that these pastoralists in the early part of the Bible building great wealth, maybe like our own stories of Australia, you know, modern wealth being riding on the back of a sheep. But of course, things change. Uh, by the time we get to David, um, King David, and certainly to the time of Jesus, the shepherd, is no longer that esteemed role. And I guess today in modern farming, the shepherd doesn't even really exist, but the idea continues to be powerful. So when we go back into the scripture and we understand the role of the shepherd, um, I think there's these four words that sum it up beautifully. The shepherd's role is to lead, to feed, to guide, and to guard. The shepherd is there as the, the provider and the protector of the sheep. It was a slow lifestyle. Plenty of time to play the harp if you were David. <laughs> um, you know, moving the sheep from time to time, places to find food and to find water. Ancient shepherding relied on the sheep knowing and, 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 he and hearing the shepherd's caring voice. The ancient shepherds led their sheep. They didn't drive them from behind with dogs and quad bikes. I've actually seen this for myself um, in, a, in a rural community uh, in Malawi with the shepherds strolling back to the village at the end of a long hot day with a bunch of animals wandering along behind them. It was curious and funny to see, you know, when I've been brought up in a culture where you drive the sheep and you bark at them. So the shepherd's lifestyle was generally quite slow and peaceful but punctuated with the adrenaline rush as the shepherd needed to defend the flock against thieves or a lion or a bear or wolves. And I think what we see uh, through the scripture that as society got more um, specialised, roles changed and values are placed onto different things. And that was all bad news for the shepherd. It turned out that um, as farming intensified, wandering flocks get pushed off onto the edges of society and the role of tending sheep becomes less esteemed. It's not that valued uh, profession anymore. It becomes a form of menial labour, a lowly kind of a job. And so the role of pastoring or shepherding became less valued. Yeah, I couldn't help just thinking about the parallel there um, of the shepherd or the pastor in our churches. But of course, I am talking about the biblical role of shepherd, uh, the shepherd of sheep. But having said that, there is a parallel. You know, the shepherd remains the primary metaphorical picture of a godly leader. 
uh, what a godly leader is supposed to be, a shepherd of the people. And I do think that we live in a time where pastoring as a vocation is not valued in the same way that it used to be. Uh, I'd love to see that change. I continue to pray that in my lifetime we will see many people turning to the really godly role of pastoring God's people, leading his people, and we'll discover that actually there's many secular career paths that actually lay a great foundation for people to pastor or shepherd his, his churches in this culture. So please join with me just as a background prayer that God would raise up those pastoral leaders for our network of churches, you know, through our Bible colleges. When we think about our kids, somebody once said, you know, if God calls you to minister his gospel, then don't stoop to be a king. You know, pray that God will raise up those shepherding leaders that we really desire to see in our society. And you've heard me say it before, if you've listened to me over time, that I really do think that God created us, the way that God created us, sorry, uh, is to live our lives in and around a trusted shepherd, a shepherd-like leader in our 24-7 world, that, that leader who provides care, protection. They give advice. They feed us, so to speak. You know, they spiritually feed us. They give us insight into the circumstances that we're facing right now and thereby they sort of are a guiding person in our lives. They guard us. Anyway, wouldn't it be good to live like that? Eh? Let's get back to the Bible and our story. As our society gets more specialised, roles do change. And in the book of Samuel, we see David, the youngest brother, um, still a young man. He's drawn the short straw amongst his brothers and has continued out into the night with the menial task of looking after the sheep while his older brothers hobnob it at a feast with the celebrity guest, the prophet Samuel. And out of this... It's actually David who goes on to become the shepherd king and the writer of many biblical passages passages which famously compare the role of leading people to that of the to that of the shepherd. And so David just a few chapters later, a few years later, when the nation was in crisis, he sprung into the nation's consciousness as a, still as a young man, declaring fearlessly as a young shepherd that the God who gave him power to defeat the lion and the bear when he was protecting his sheep would certainly give him victory over this foul-mouthed giant. And he said, I will cut the giant's head off. And of course, we all know the story of his victory uh, over Goliath. And so it is from David, this shepherd boy who later in life in the Psalms that we get um, immortalized words from Psalm 23. Let's just pause and read Psalm 23 together. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He lets me rest in green pastures. He leads me to calm water. He gives me new strength. He leads me on paths that are right for the good of his name. Even if I walk through a very dark valley, I will not be afraid because you are with me. Your rod and your shepherd's staff comfort me. You prepare, prepare a meal for me in front of my enemies. You pour oil of blessing on my head. You fill my cup to overflowing. Surely your goodness and love will be with me all my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Oh, reading the lyrics of this song, can't you just feel the calm? Can't you feel the calm of the warrior king, safe under the oversight of his heavenly shepherd, even in the visible presence 
of his enemy. There's this calm in the presence of the heavenly shepherd. And so even in the time of David, you know, around 1000 BC, we're aware that shepherding is no longer a desirable way of life, but the imagery is still rich. And we go on in the Bible to get a beautiful passage in Ezekiel 34, where the prophet has some really firm things to say. At first, he gives the leaders of the nation a right proper bollocking. He says, you're not looking after the sheep. You're looking after yourself. They were very selfish shepherds as leaders. And then he gives the big sheep a bollocking. He, you know, the big sheep are picking on the little ones. And we get this kind of dynamic of the way that we're led, but the way we interact you know, amongst ourselves. These big sheep are picking on the little ones. They're eating their food. They're muddying up their water by stomping through the through the pond. And finally, um, Ezekiel declares that God is going to send a shepherd king, the Messiah, the chosen one. Let's just read a couple of verses about what it says about this coming shepherd king from Ezekiel 34, written about 400 years after the shepherd king David. Verse 23, and I will put over them, he's talking here about the uncared flock, I will put over them one shepherd, my servant David. He will feed them and tend them and be their shepherd then I the Lord will be their God and my servant David will be ruler among them I the Lord have spoken I will make an agreement of peace with my sheep and I will remove harmful animals from the land then the sheep will live in safety in the desert and sleep in the woods I will bless them and let them live around my hill I will cause the rains to come when it is time and there will be showers to bless them and so in this passage, Ezekiel points us to the, the heir of David. He points us to Jesus, that promised shepherd king, who as an adult, Jesus famously owned this very much for himself in a very matter-of-fact way. Let's wind the clock forward to the things that Jesus said about himself as a shepherd in John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. That's how Jesus describes himself. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. The worker who is paid to keep the sheep is different from the shepherd who owns them. When the worker sees a wolf coming, he runs away and he leaves the sheep alone. Then the wolf attacks the sheep and scatters them. The man runs away because he's only a paid worker and does not really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my, shepherd, my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. I give my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not in this flock and I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The father loves me because I give my life so that I can take it back again. No one takes it from me. I give my own life freely. I have the right to give my own life and I have the right to take it back. This is what my father commanded me to do. And so there we have Jesus talking about himself and his preparedness to sacrifice himself for the well-being of the sheep. What a leader to follow it. If we have eyes to see it, uh, we need to grab hold of this idea that Jesus is the good shepherd, our good shepherd, the shepherd of our soul. He leads us. He feeds us. He guides us. He guards us. And so Christmas, in part, is about remembering Jesus as the good shepherd, placing our lives again under his care and again being inspired by him in how we're going to go about living this living this out in our lives. So with all this in mind, 
Can I take you back to that first Christmas Eve? Late that Christmas Eve, there's a group of shepherds and they're out watching their flocks in the hills above Bethlehem. Bethlehem, the ancient hometown of the shepherd King David. The religious leaders, they're nowhere around. They're asleep 10 kilometres away in Jerusalem. They haven't been invited to the party, but down in Bethlehem, the shepherds in the hills, they're with their sheep. Unbeknownst to the shepherds, down in the town of Bethlehem, a young woman is in early labour. She's about to head into a struggle, a struggle with her own body, a struggle with the pain of childbirth, with the, with the fatigue of childbirth, with the fear that comes with that, with the uncertainty of it all, to give birth to a baby boy. And they'd been told to call this baby boy Jesus when he was born. Jesus, the rescuer. His name means the one who saves. She was about to give birth to Jesus, the game changer. <laughs> and God chooses those shepherds to be the first responders, the first to arrive at ground zero. Not the rich and the famous, not the religious elite, not the prime minister, not the wealthy from the corporate boxes. Can you see how powerful it is that God chose the first people to witness what he was up to, what he was doing as a group of shepherds. The promised shepherd king was being witnessed first by some shepherds. And so let's read together from Luke 2 and refresh what the text says from the, uh, the kids' story uh, that we heard before. The light shines forth and the good news needs to be heard. The shepherds hear about Jesus. That night some shepherds were in the fields watching their sheep. An angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord was shining around them and they became very frightened. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I am bringing you good news that will be a great joy to all people. Today your saviour was born in the town of David. He is Christ the Lord. This is how you will know him. You will find a baby wrapped in pieces of cloth and lying in a feeding box. Then a very large group of angels from heaven joined the first angel praising God and saying, Give glory to God in heaven and on the earth let there be peace among the people who please God. When the angels left them and went back to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so the shepherds went quickly and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a feeding trough. And they, when they had seen him, they told what the angels had said about this child. Everyone was amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured these things and continued to think about them. When the shepherds went, then the shepherds went back to their sheep, praising God and thanking him for everything they had seen and heard. It had been just as the angel had told them. Wow, <clears throat> what a spin out, eh? The shepherds get this heavenly seen with the angels and they're then sent on a hide and seek task down there you'll find a baby in a feeding trough yep that's that's quite a clue we've got to look for a baby in a feeding trough not kind of what you see every day imagine um, that because of the hour they're probably trying to keep the noise down looking through Jerusalem looking for a place a feeding trough well they haven't got any sat nav coordinates they're probably not going to go to the hotel and I guess a place like a stable was a good place to look. And so when they found a new mum in a stable with a baby in a feeding trough, they figured they'd found the right place. And you can see how powerful <clears throat> it is that God chose shepherds. They often had to go looking for a lost sheep. 
They're given a hide-and-seek task. How powerful it is that God chose shepherds as the first people to witness his son. Eventually, the shepherds went back to their sheep, back to their ordinary lives, but with an extraordinary story. They were praising God and thanking him for everything that they'd seen and heard. They had, in a sense, been the first conveyors of the good news. The promised shepherd king is here. Mary treasured these things in her heart because she had a long road ahead of her in child raising, raising a child to be the king. The ancient Christmas song summarises it like this. Now, kids, I've blanked out the last word of each, of each verse. I'm I want to see if you can say it before I do, okay? Here we go. Here's the song. While well, shepherds watched their, she their flocks by night, all seated on the ground, the angel of the Lord came down and glory shone around. Fear not, said he, for mighty dread had seized their troubled mind. Glad tidings of great joy I bring to you and all mankind. Well done. To you in David's town this day is born of David's line, the Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And this shall be the sign, the heavenly babe you there shall find to human view displayed all meanly wrapped in swathing bands and in a manger laid. Thus spake the seraph, and forthwith appeared a shining throng of angels praising God, who thus addressed their joyful song. All glory be to God on high, and on the earth be peace. Goodwill henceforth from heaven to men begin and never Cease. Well done, guys. Goodwill henceforth from heaven to men begin and never cease. I love that expression, goodwill henceforth. The shepherd king has arrived from heaven. Earth will never be the same. Jesus, the game changer, is here. And yes, these ordinary men, lowly shepherds, become the first external witness to the birth of this baby. And think about that. The birth of a baby. God entrusts himself to an earthly family as a totally vulnerable baby, reliant to be fed, reliant to be changed, to be kept warm and safe, slowly learning the spoken language of the day and learning the eternal language of love. He learnt that earthly language bit by bit, as we all do. And in a few years' time, Jesus would use that earthly language to say the most profound, game-changing things. I am the good shepherd, for example. And along with this earthly language spoken, he spoke the heavenly language of love. Embodied in Jesus is love and truth in this man, in this shepherd king, the one who changes our lives. So Jesus has been described as the game-changer. Let him change your game. For some, perhaps you need to get out of the game that you're currently playing and get into kingdom business. It's time to switch codes, so to speak. Jesus, the game changer, wants to change your game. He's the game changer. I certainly know that the day that I met Jesus, things that I thought had been so important got downgraded uh, to just a hobby, and some things got completely taken out of my life. Um, putting him first. If that's you today, pray a simple prayer. Pray a simple prayer that just goes something like, Jesus, be my shepherd. Lead me and feed me. Jesus, be my shepherd. That's, that's how our relationship with God begins. And, and for all of us, 
uh, who believe in him. Let's also acknowledge that we need him to guide us and guard us in this coming year. We need him to continue to change our game, to improve our game. All of us need Jesus as a coach, letting him shape the way that we do each day, to change our game, to improve our forehand, to get us around the court better to make the right shot selection. Oh yeah, <laughs> for all those uh, tennis lovers, the Australian Open's not far away. So allowing Jesus to be our coach and to change our game, that this year would be a year where we, we walk with him. So how do we go from here, this day, this Christmas season? Well, really I want to encourage you to walk a little taller. Walk like you're floating on air, air, being reminded that you have a shepherd. He is with you. A shepherd who brings forth forgiveness, freedom and, and a future into our life. Grab those ideas with faith. He brings forth forgiveness, freedom and a future. But he's also a shepherd who provides. He provides peace, protection and purpose to us. Grab these truths as a promise and step into this new year walking a little taller floating on air knowing that you have a shepherd god puts his mission in the hands of ordinary people like you and me um, the, the the mission um, that the kingdom the kingdom is coming from heaven to earth the shepherd brought to us this kingdom from heaven and it continues to expand through us as Jesus said and we read earlier in John 10 I have other sheep that are not in this flock and I must bring them also they will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd and so we are part of that that uh, calling of the shepherd to take this news and this this wonderful truth of Jesus to others. He has others that he wants to bring into the flock. Ordinary people like you and me cooperating with him to do extraordinary things. So as we close up our time, we're going to sing hallelujah. But uh, may you have a wonderful Christmas and a remarkable 2020. Would you just join with me in prayer? Lord, as we close up our thinking today, we, we, we are filled with thanks. And Lord, we uh, would like to see 2022 as a year full of fruitfulness in our lives, a year where we walk with you as our shepherd. Lord, a year with a harvest, a year where we um, see other people discovering you as the one that they can trust, the one that they can listen to, the one that they can be guided by. Lord, we invite you to walk through this year with us. Lord, that we would follow, we would hear your voice and we would follow. Jesus, thank you for coming and living amongst us and showing us how to do this life. We are filled with gratitude, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. It means praise the Lord. Enjoy.